I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, head out of the Dell Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's an investor and publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 253rd episode of our weekly therapy session. And a lot of you should be joining us by the sound of some of the chat boards out there, but we like to call it investing in bizarro world. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk what we're investing in, what we're looking to invest in, and we'll touch on some of the uh, not so niceties of the supposed founding institutions of a lot of uh, people's faiths and uh, community. So we'll get into all of that. But first and foremost, Mr. Hodge, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Gerardo. Had a little bit of a bout of, <laughs> I see you're getting ready to fight, a little bit of COVID run through our house, uh, which I think is going around nationwide, but um, have made it through that. And so uh, we're doing great. Uh, well, I'll just stop because let's talk about the boxing thumbs. It's it, it, it's war, Nick. It, it's lithium bulls versus bit, lithium longs. Um, there's despair. There's blood on the streets. There's, um, you know, it, it, it's funny. Um, I, I, I do the gloves because it seems like it's hard nowadays to have a conversation. And I'll start with lithium and then we'll pivot to Patriot, which is, again, still my biggest, largest uh, holding cash wise, obviously. Um, but it's hard to have a civil conversation about anything about. Well, anything, but it, it, in this space specifically, a lot of people missed out on both runs, right? There was a big leg up in, you know, 2016, 2018 time period where we were coming out of a, a similar period like now, and there was a big run up and a lot of people missed that. And then we had another one, obviously, here the last year and a half or two um, through the mania, through the China restocking process, where frankly, it's kind of like the uranium space. There just wasn't enough supply to go around and China was willing to pay any price to secure supply, right? Because they are committed as a country to incentivizing the electrification of their roads and, and the vehicles that are on those roads. And so we have a situation now where the spot price, you know, the, the official, you know, China spot price has fallen some 80 something percent. And obviously, I don't care if you're a Patriot or an Albemarle or a Pilbara, whatever your name is, obviously, you're going to take a hit to your share price, whether you're exploring or producing, whether it's fair or not. However, it seems like the people that missed out on maybe the first leg and the second leg up higher, those people are now coming out of the woodworks. And all it is, is just gloating about how bad the space is and how people that got in at the top are down 50%, 60%. And look, all, all of that is true, right? And then on the other side, you have you know people like me that go, well, yeah, but I'm still long because unless you believe, and now I'm going to make it specific to Patriot, unless you believe that North America with its Inflation Reduction Act and the billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars that are going into incentivizing a critical metals supply chain that is independent of China, unless you believe that that's not going to happen and that there's already a budget allocated to that, if you don't believe that's going to happen, you should have never gotten involved in the lithium space and you should still not get involved in the lithium space. If you believe that's real, the price action right now isn't fun, right? My Patriot net worth obviously is down 60% from its highs. Is it consequential for me? It's only consequential when I have to sell a few thousand shares to pay a tax bill, to pay tuition. And I've said that. I've just done that the whole way down. Like a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there. Got a property taxes. Let me take care of that, right? It's not consequential for the end game because when you are the creme de la creme, which is what Patriot is at this point, 
when you have the type of partners like Albemarle and the behind the scenes players that want to nibble and that already have nibbled, but want a bigger seat at the table, when you have enough cash to get you through the next couple of years, and that doesn't mean that, you know, they don't do a raise potentially in the next six months of the price action turns around, which I believe it will, um, just to bring some of the North American banks into the fold to show some support for price drops like this. If you believe that all that is still going to happen, I have exposure to what I believe is the single best North American lithium deposit deposits and growing uh, in North America. And so unless Canada and the U.S. and all these North American companies, automakers have decided to completely change their business model and no longer invest in that space, this is temporary. Again, the price action, whether it's Patriot, whether it's whoever, you pick the name, right? Patriot's the most consequential to me. It's not fun to see it. You know, I got friends calling and, you know, they're going to be okay. And I'm like, look, the end game was always the end game. The end game has always been, let's see how big this thing is. Let's let the bottoming pr process in the lithium spot price happen. And then China's going to restock, folks. They can't keep destocking forever. It's just not the way cycles work. How far off is that? Probably February. I mean, you know, I've talked to people way, way smarter than I that are just, that's all they do, right? They model this stuff. They have sources in China. They think probably mid-February is when we get a bottoming of the spot price, a true bottom and a resumption of, of, of a price adjustment upwards. Do I know this, whether that's going to happen? No, I have no crystal ball. What I do know is this. Patriot is going to keep drilling. They have 10 rigs on the property. The winter road is complete. We have 150 to $160 million in the till. I'll be meeting with Patriot and then, you know, management here over the weekend at uh, BRIC at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Looking forward to seeing you there, Nick. I'll report back next week after I report to subscribers, paying subscribers with, um, you know, kind of what, what I gather from it. But look, I've had conversations with the team and they agree with everything that I've just said. You know, as far as the price action, it obviously isn't favorable. Nobody's going to look at that and smile and be happy. But Everything else is going according to plan. And again, you either believe that this transition in North America is going to happen and there's already money allocated for it to continue to grow. And if that's the case, that these automakers aren't waiting until 2027 to go source their material. These chemical companies aren't waiting until 2027. They're going to go ahead and be eager participants in the build out of that infrastructure. And I absolutely believe that before, and this is no knock to any company, but that before companies with a 30 million ton deposit with potentially more expensive metallurgical issues, before they get the price action and they get the investment, that companies like Patriot with some of the lowest cost extraction, uh, the best mineralogy, the biggest scale, um, the technical acumen to make it all happen, the cash to continue to you know drill this thing out and, and, and start literally connecting dots. Um, I sleep well with that. Do I like having to sell a few thousand shares here and there to pay for stuff? No. You know, am I at the point where I'm selling other stuff instead of a couple thousand Patriot shares? Yeah, mostly. Um, will it matter at the end if I'm right? Not really. I mean, it, it, it sure. You could always look at the top and say, man, you know, I, I thought it would go here and it only went there. But let's be honest, folks. If you got in, I don't care if you got in at 10 or $12, which Look, our group, I, I had friends that, that added a million and a half dollars of Patriot exposure at $11 a share Canadian. Do you think they're happy right now? They did that based on me saying, look, the end game is this. 
wait for a couple of years, let it play out. It's going to be volatile. These stocks always are. This stock specifically has always been volatile, but it, it, it's a good entry point. <laughs> I have them calling me and I'm like, remember that timeline I told you? I told you two years. It's been three, four months. Just sit back and let it play out. Let's see if we're right. Let's see if we're wrong. Either way, there's a plan for, you know, contingency plans for everything, even if that position happens to blow up. I don't think so. I think, you know, it's going to be a very profitable position. And I say all that to say, I still think we have the best asset in North America. I think that that's going to get better by the day. And it's important to know your timelines, folks. And mm -hmm. if you're out there gloating because you got in at 16 cents and it went to 18 bucks, but you didn't take any profits at 18 bucks. And now you're really upset that it's in the $6 range. That's a you thing. That's a you thing, because if your timeline wasn't the end game, then you should have tapped some of those profits or all of those profits. For me, I tap what I need to tap and I can, I, I keep it moving. And yes, I would rather see it above 10 bucks and then, you know, you, you, consummate this deal with Albemarle and then see it go to 14 and see it go to new all-time highs and run from there after we catch a bit and back to 30 and 40 where I thought we should be. It's not in the cards right now, but we'll see. We'll see in six months to a year where things are at. And I would just, you know, I would encourage everybody to, to be realistic about your timelines, what you're willing to lose in exchange for making the type of gains that a company like Patriot um, has provided. Uh, the gentleman who was just calling, I forgot to turn my phone on silent, would have um, advised you sell some on the way up <laughs> to make sure that you weren't, uh, you know, a, in some sort of position or, or cash crunch on the way down. But it, what I was going to say is a couple of things. I was making some notes. So, um, and sell some was one of the notes I made. And so I was going to relate it to uranium. Like, um, it, you, you mentioned there were cycles and yeah, we've made money in, in lithium uh, along the way. Right. Like I was just on the phone with Charles Schwab the other day because, um, we were involved the with a company. Charles Schwab? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we were involved with a company, I think in 2015 or maybe, gosh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know, 2016 advantage lithium that was then taken out by Oracobre. Um, which then became Alchem and is now going to become, I keep forgetting the name, which means it's a terrible name, but um, it's now listed on the NYSE and I haven't got my shares yet. So, and I'm up like four or 500% or something, right? Like I'm just, they just sit in my, in an IRA there and they just do what they do or whatever. And that's sort of what you're saying with, with the, the lithium cycle, right? Like I'm not worried about those shares. Like I'll get my NYSE listed shares of whatever the new company is called and like it'll be fine because they're top five lithium producer in the world, and and I'm a long term yeah. holder of those shares, right? So, um, those were a couple of the points I wanted to make. Another one is that um, the cycle is going to cycle, and you know things don't go straight up. And um, so, a couple of things there because um, one has to do with the retail side of things because there was a lot of capital that came in, right? Um, remember last year we were talking about forever battery, forever batteries, and liquid energy, and direct lithium extraction and gosh we were even at 52 week highs on never going to be economic clay deposits in nevada yep. right like all this yep. stuff was running and um that's not anymore so that's like the retail side of it like some of that money is going to come out some of it is the the commodity cycle side of it right of course lithium carbonate and spodumene prices um have come down uh, and and so the 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 equity prices are going to come down commensurately with that. So know where you are in the cycle. I would enter your, I would echo your sentiments about the time frame, right? Because uh, the time frame does matter. Like 
um, yeah, if you were looking to, to be in for three or four or six months, like you were just saying, then sure, you're going to be exiting at a loss yeah. right now. But if you're viewing it longer, then um, it's a bit different. And so speaking to that time frame, um, I saw a couple of uh, decent reports and articles this week, but one was uh, about Australian like pension funds, long term, deep pocketed, you know, money that thinks in, you know, five year money, 10 year. Exactly. Money. Yeah. Right. Um, and they're adding like they're adding to Australian lithium producers and for their pension funds. Right. As, sure. So they're using this dip in the cycle to um, add to their positions. And then um, so that's the retail cycle, the, the lithium cycle. And then just more broadly on the and on the commodity cycle is you're in a pretty nasty pullback, which I've been saying. Yeah. Right. Like I've been saying that the, we were in a commodity super cycle that started in 2020, but it's going to be a nasty pullback because you got slowing growth. And, and that's OK. Uh, and we've seen that with things like corn, and it's the reason copper hasn't been um, going uh, over four dollars. But when you couple that with the, the 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 other things that I just said, you know, all the retail money that came in, the prices of lithium pulling back, um, unlike what uranium has been able to do so far, lithium, I think, in some ways, is just being susceptible to the to the yeah to the ebbs and flows of the commodity super cycle. So um, those are my thoughts on lithium. I guess right now, like. Um, I'm not buying any names like in the market other than the, the Patriot order that I had set that filled. But again, that's back to time frame, right? Because I had yep. that order set for like months. Like I knew the price was going to come back down there, right? And so sure. um, know how you think about those things is, is I guess, what I would say. All right, I'll take them off. All right, we had a simple <laughs> discussion of fucking lithium and profits and timelines and and again, be accountable, folks. Don't, you know, get on there and, and woo woo behind the keyboard and do all that about a decision that you made because guess what? When when you know when you're up ten thousand percent, I'm not you know I'm not seeing any anybody get on there talking about you know who what pick your newsletter writer pick whoever you follow how how it's only because of them you know at that point everybody was really intelligent so they're very smart sure yeah so look again back to Patriot operationally everything is share price absolutely sucks right now the price action absolutely sucks right now. It's getting pretty desperate out there with some of the commentary. And then again, not just retail and not just, you know, chat boards or whatever, but like, you know, I'm seeing people that I respect. The Howard Klein had a great podcast here this last week that um, posed the question, is this peak pessimism in the lithium sector? You've seen Albemarle, and I liked this, by the way, and I'm going to relate it back to Patriot, but they decided to unlock $700 million of cash flow by cutting back on a project that they were building um, down in the States now. Uh, again, I'm I'm not crystal balling this. I don't want to hear about how Gerardo said this and Gerardo said that. I just try to connect dots and pick up on trends. Well, if they're all of a sudden going to have another $750 million um, to play with, and they're also simultaneously selling their Liontown shares for another $120 million, shares a, that, that you know just recently hit like the $3 mark are trading at a buck 20. They're selling those shares at a buck 20. This is a couple of months after Ms. Reinhardt came in and and bid them up to $3. And again, she's playing the long game. She, you think she cares about this pullback? You think Mr. Ellison cares about this pullback? Probably chomping at the bit to go shopping. Um, so I, 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 I say all that to say that I like Albemarle's financial flexibility in light of the MOU with Patriot, in light of the incentives that the Inflation Reduction Act provides. Granted, the plant they were going to invest that money in also provided those benefits, obviously. But if if supply and then... And, and, anticipated supply continues to come off and yes some growth has slowed down 
But if you look at China year on year numbers and, and, and around the world, and then you look at Europe and what they're doing, incentivizing their economy with, with, with financial um, investments, and then you look at North America with the Inflation Reduction Act, all of that narrative and, 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 and factual narrative speaks to this is a short-term pullback. How, how, how long does it go? I don't know. Until the Fed I, cuts I, rates. Maybe till the Fed cuts rates. In, in lithium specifically, again, I don't know. Patriot specifically, I don't know how long it goes. But I know in the mid to long term, we're positioned beautifully. Uh, unless you believe the lithium sector is going to collapse entirely in the sense of demand and government incentives. And that, that's just not going to happen. In my opinion. No, it just back to the macro for one second, because I said I bought more shares of a Patriot. And um, I obviously had cash on the sidelines available to do that, right? And that speaks to one of the broader things I've been saying. Like I've been saying I have a lot of cash on the sidelines, 40% if you read foundational profits. And I'm talking yep. about like my retirement uh, portfolios, for example. And so um, I, one, had the cash flow available to do that. Two, go look at like um, a chart of Rio Tinto or BHP mm. or FCX. I've been telling you there was going to be a time this year um, that it was going to be time to buy those. And, and a couple of those I mentioned, you know, BHP and Rio, those are are, are large uh, Australian companies. And so you connect micro dots, you know, I think about macro stuff. The same way it's going to be time to buy BHP um, in Rio uh, here over the next few months, it, it's going to be the same in the, in, the, in the lithium space, you know, turning around. That's just how I relate it to the, to the broader commodity cycle. But Albemarle, also very interesting. Obviously, um, a big stake in, in Patriot and, and it's going to do some bigger things there. But and like I say, I, I think about the, the broader stuff and, and you think about the individual companies. Some people would say that's why we complement each other. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And look, let, let, let's go back to uh, your take on things, right? You, you, you look at the forest very, very well. And clearly, um, you look at Western Australia, they're starting to scrap some projects out there as well, right? And so, again, we're getting all of the right reactions that are going to incentivize um, and, and, and create, you know, that that restocking process that's going to be demanding supply that was going to be there that's just no longer going to be in the supply chain and in North America I think we have a unique unique situation where so much demand is 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 pent up and we saw this in uranium a couple of years ago we positioned ahead of it um you know where we we've done really really well in our uranium portfolio and we were wrong for 6 or 7 months stuff was down 30, 40%. You touched that advantage lithium. I was right there with you. I wouldn't saw that asset in Argentina in 2016. Thought it was an easy buyout target then. And then it went down 50%. And I got all the letters and all the calls and said, just hold it. Just write it out. We ended up exiting that position of some triple digits. So it's I just told you, I still own the shares that it became. So yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my, uh, that's my rant for, uh, for this particular therapy session. Thank y'all for bearing with me hopefully you find some value in some of that we have to talk uranium um price action continues to be fucking beautiful nick we're at 106 uh there's there's whispers and rumors and again i i don't know them to be true yet but they're pretty pretty substantial rumors of shortages of the material needed to process and enrich the uranium um i i i absolutely think my 200 dollars overshoot price target might prove conservative. There was a smart group, and I forget their name. I apologize, but they had said that they saw three hundred dollars a pound, and I thought that was a little bit promotional. They might be right, judging by the looks of things. I don't see this slowing down anytime soon. 
some of the names that we mentioned here last week. I think we touched on financing standard uranium at a nickel. That's up, you know, some 40, 50% here in the past week. There's other names that I, I, I think are going to continue higher. UEC now has restarted production here in the U.S. They touch 52-week highs. There's a lot lighting up, and I think the fun there is just getting started. I, I mean, I don't have a lot to add. We've touched on it week after week here. Um, I guess what I would say is, what do I want to say? It, we're managing the uranium trade now. I've been saying that, right? It's no longer like anticipating it. It's yep. managing that. And I, I see what's going on in the, the Twitter sphere and the retail space. And, you know, people are talking about timing it and, you know, timing the different things in the cycle. And uh, that makes for good infotainment and, and clicks and memes and things. But, um, you know, what I've been saying is that it, it's similar to lithium, like, I've been in this trade a while and, and so have you, right? Like, and have made hundreds, if not thousands of percent from, you know, companies like URZ that we financed that got taken out. Yep. Same as Advantage, right? Got taken out by uh, Azarga, then got taken out by Encore. And all of a sudden I've got shares in my account that are up three, four, five, seven hundred percent with an NYSE listed company, right? Like I have made money from Uranium and so have my subscribers. We sold um, portions of Encore. Core. We've sold... Uh, portions of um sky harbor that we were in at 15 cents and it went to 60 cents um and then we bought back in like last week i was telling you we, we bought yeah. back into energy fuels as it um you know pulled under seven dollars so I, I was thinking about coffee this week right because you get these hmm. people who want you to make calls like oh this guy he nailed the top of like uranium on january 4th well like that's not real life, man. Like, That's um, not and, real life, you folks. know, Rick Rule says it all the time. Like, the only person who ever nailed the absolute top and the absolute bottom was an absolute liar. Liar. Right? Yep. Um, and so, like, I was pouring, I was making coffee. I normally make a second cup of coffee, like, in mid-morning here. I go downstairs and I make it. And I was pouring my creamer in and I was like, you know, how much creamer is enough? Like, do you know, do you measure your cream? I don't know if you put cream in your coffee. coffee. Like, do you, like, measure it? You measure the cream when you pour it in there? It's like, oh, no, like, this should be, like, about that color, right? Like, I should put it in there. That's, like, how I manage. I'm Mexican. We eyeball everything. <laughs> exactly, right? I, so, I like, cook that way with the seasoning. Oh, no, no, at least a little bit more of that. Yeah. Right. So I do have a system, right? Like, my sweetener goes in first, and then I put the coffee in, and then I, I put the cream in, so I think it's about the right color, and then I stir it up, and it's... As long yep. as it tastes dry, like I walk away. Like it's not the yep. same exact amount of cream every time, but it's with inside the framework, right? And so it, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll write an article about it, but whether it's lithium or uranium, it's sort of the same framework, right? Like I'm positioned early. We write checks into private placements. We have, you know, it warrants for more exposure and we're managing that like along the way, right? So that was just one point I wanted to make. Like I still own Sky Hardware. I still own Encore, but yeah, I've sold some and so have subscribers. And I'm in deals that haven't run yet, like the the Latitudes yeah. and, the, and the Krakens of the world, right? So Those are um, two good freebies, by the way, if you're looking for uranium names that are, you know, probably mm -hmm. ready to, 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 to get going. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, um, of course, trees don't go to the, the sky. I said that all the time. Yes, there's going to be ebbs and flows, and, and we saw them, but you're not going to see me, and I don't know about you, out there saying like, this is it for uranium. I'm getting out. No, I might sell like, I might say like, sell a little bit of Sky Harbor and we'll look to re-enter when it pulls back. Like, that's how people with capital manage things. And what's been, you know, increasingly clear to me as I get older and put more years under my belt is the people out there with the memes and stuff uh, are the toothpick people, right? Like, 
And you've got this lesson, I'm sure. They're the ones that are yeah. playing with toothpicks, right? Because, you know, a $500 stake in UEC is different from a portfolio of hundreds of thousands of dollars across the entire spectrum of, of the uranium uh, sector. And so, anyway, um, if you want to subscribe, we'll tell you the real ways to, to, to manage the cycle in the sector. Um, and if you want free stuff, whether it's this podcast or Twitter or X, then you're going to get what you pay for. So anyway, I don't know if any of that made sense, but no, 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 no. It definitely makes sense, and I think you know it probably brings up a an and I don't know if it's important, but definitely a, a relevant conversation about newsletters and newsletter writers. Thank and, you. That was a you know, perfect segue. Thank you. They and the way that you put those out there and and how you promote them. And look, I have three publications, right? I've always said if if you're an accredited investor, we have a good good network of of of, of people that are close to us that we've invested alongside for, you know, a long time now, over a decade, almost two decades now, that also has an incredible network. So there's like layers and tiers of this network that, you know, we benefit from in terms of cash flow or I should uh deal flow, right? Hopefully cash flow, but deal flow. That allows us to vet a lot of deals and be selective. Even when you're selective, we're still doing high risk, high reward stuff because that's the nature of, you know, smaller cap stocks, especially the micro cap stocks. It's always going to be that way. You hope for three or four big winners to outdo the six lamos that are never going to do anything, right? When you pivot to the other two publications, one is more of a trading speculative, super high risk, super high reward. You you're 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 those are lottery tickets. Those are that that's what they are. You know, if they hit, you're going to make 10 times your money, 20 times your money, sometimes a hundred times your money. If they don't, you're probably going to lose 50 to 80% of your money. You know, and then you have my other publication, which that one takes a longer term approach. That one plays cycles. I've had uranium names since 2017, 2016 that are up five, six hundred percent. That one is probably the easiest one to get right, even through bear cycles, because you allow yourself back to timeline, right? You allow yourself the luxury of letting that cycle play out and averaging down or or doubling up, right? However, however you however you want to play that. So I say all that to say. You know what you're getting if you're paying attention with us, Nick. I know you do a really good job of, 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 of being, you know, as conservative as you can be with stuff. And if you see something you think you can make 50 times, 100 times your money, you're not shy about putting that out either. But you at least quantify how you can get there. And then people can extrapolate the, 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 the qualification of it and see if the numbers add up, if the scenario plays out. Now, does that mean every time that Nick Hodge says, I think this is going to has the potential to be a hundred bagger, it's going to work because Nick Hodge said so. No, of course not. Nothing works like that. But at least we're explaining to y'all, and I take pride in that, how it could get there if the right things line up. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but if we see something, we like to put it out there. We like to get behind it. And it's always stuff on that front that we've written checks for and have skin in the game. And again, we're not playing. You, sh you should explain the, the, the matchstick analogy, right? Like we're not playing, you know, with, with, with small sums, but even, you know, by, by bigger, wealthier group standards, like, it's usually pretty significant, you know, amounts of money that are in the capital markets, at least for me at any given time. And I know for you as well, Nick. Yeah, well, the, you know, matchsticks or toothpicks is, you know, playing poker with with tooth with toothpicks, right, is the basically the result of the game doesn't matter. Right. You're hanging out with a bunch of buddies and you're not using real chips or real money. You're you're playing with um, a pot that, you know, everyone's just going to shake hands and then go home happy at, at the end of the game. Right. Uh, but that's not the case in, in capital markets, right? And then we use that analogy for people, uh, well, not people, but 
Uh, investors who don't have meaningful stakes, right? Like um, armchair quarterbacks, Monday morning quarterbacks. Like I just said, people with um, a couple of, of, of hundred bucks or whatever in, in shares in, in a uranium company or whatever that are out there with, you know, uranium Twitter handles and stuff. Um, as opposed to, you know, professional or semi-professional investing where you have serious, meaningful percentage of your own network um, yeah. on the line. And and the segue to the newsletters is is just that. I mean, and and I've talked about this piecemeal here and there over the past couple of years, right? It's you know no secret that we've started our own publishing company on twenty in twenty twenty, and I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Uh, and it's because the, the newsletter industry was changing, and and it continues to change as a as a medium and and as a tool for investors to use. So uh, one of the age old. Um, conundrums inside the financial newsletter industry is, is it um, a, a financial company, a financial industry, or is it a marketing um, company? Sure. And as I, as I always say, you know, the, the truth in life is always somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, yep. the financial newsletters are a little bit of both. They're financial and they're marketing companies. And also just like anything else in life that ebbs and flows and yin and yangs and, and finance dominates it sometimes and then marketing dominates at others. And um, in the late 20 teens, the marketing was was really dominating. Uh, we could talk about the why, but essentially as a result of a, many years of zero interest rate policy in which the stock market only went up and the retail investor had a lot of money to spend um, and was getting into the stock market. And so it was easy to sell them newsletters. And um, many publishing companies took the easy path, which was selling products to people cold off the internet without having built a relationship with them, which was always the um, mantra of the newsletter business was to yeah. build a relationship with your reader, not just um, sell them products from cold traffic. It was always about getting a lead yeah. and, and and talking to them like they were your friend or whatever. Um, and the industry got away from that. Uh, and I sort of saw that happening because I, ha I had a driver's seat, right? I was running a division um, that was very much a reader focused, right? It was a club. It was called the Outsider Club. Um, and it resonated with readers. And um, what I saw is um, publishers abandoning that resonation that, you know, uh, even uh, editors that had that relationship in favor of, you know, chasing that easy buck, that 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 cart value, we called it, right? Selling the school traffic, yep. putting marketing dollars after that. And so anyway, now it's been almost a half a decade, you know, four or five years, right? Since all this started going on and, and was playing out and then people were having some come to Jesus moments and, and realization, <laughs> right? You said, I see the forest well. It's a blessing and a curse, right? So I saw that forest well years ago. And, and now people are seeing the individual trees, like large divisions at Agora, for example, just laid off all their staff or, or no longer divisions. You know, over 100 people lost their job at the end of yeah. um, the de December. And, and other publishing outfits have had mass layoffs. And I see um, the the figureheads or, or the heads, if you want to call them that, of, of some publishing companies out there giving interviews. Um, one of my former employee wondering if the publishing, the newsletter space had lost its soul um, when in fact it lost its soul four or five years ago and, and you didn't <laughs> see it happening, right? You, you were presiding over it and, and people were telling you what was happening. Um, um, and the, the breadwinners at the time um, were, were ignored and, and, and ultimately left to start their own um, companies. So no, man, I have soul. And what happens is, is, um, you know, these, I've seen you dance, Nick. I know you do. 
these these newsletter writers, <laughs> uh, at, when when we get too much to the marketing side, they don't know nothing. They're playing with matchsticks. Yeah. They're playing with toothpicks, right? And so they're putting out these promotions that get the clicks and maybe the sales. Uh, years ago, the sales, maybe not so much today. But they don't know nothing about the markets and they don't know nothing about cycles and they don't know nothing about managing and growing real wealth. Right. And so when you when you when you ask that question, you know, has the has the newsletter industry lost its its soul? There's a bit of self-reflection that is that is warranted there, I would say, um, and a bit of history to to go over. And then for you, the viewer, um, you should really be vetting this stuff, not just the free Twitter accounts I was just yeah. talking about with um, Uranium, but. Um, you know, across the board, like who is who are you getting this information from? Who are you believing? Who are you trusting? Like, I got a marketing email the other day for a financial product that was talking about uh, a breakthrough in in batteries. Another, it's always a, a new breakthrough in batteries lately. But this was a five minute charging battery. It's going to charge in five minutes, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, in no uncertain terms, that's absolute fucking bullshit. Like, that's just it's not reality. That's not true. There's no five minute battery. Like. Um, I'm sure you saw the pictures of people sitting in their Teslas in the cold this week because uh, the batteries don't operate as efficiently or charge as efficiently in the cold, right? Like we're certainly not doing five minute batteries. Like that's just not a thing. <laughs> so, um, and that's what I mean about the marketing. Like that's all marketing. That's no finance. And so one, um, if you're wondering why the newsletter industry has lost its soul and still putting out headlines about five minute batteries, like there's one thing. And then the other thing is for you as an investor, like, Know your source, follow people who have real skin in the game, who are managing their own money and writing about what they're doing and not selling you some uh, narrative or worldview about whatever it is, AI or silver, or the end of the world or whatever it is. Right. So anyway, the truth's always somewhere in the middle. Um, I have a, three young kids that I manage my portfolio for. And if you want to put all your money in a, in a five minute charging battery startup, have at it, man. But I'll do what I've been doing for the past 15 years. It's worked okay. You talked about the truth and my brain is what my brain is. I can't help it. They, and that brings me to Catholicism and, and religion. And, and, and we're not talking about faith here, folks. I don't ever knock anyone's faith when they, uh, you know, practice that faith to the benefit of all. And in a sincere, kind and compassionate way, which if, you know, regardless of your religion, um, tends to be a, a, a central, you know, pillar of, of faith around the world. But I, I uh, couldn't help but notice one of your tweets and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it because I found it um, not surprising because you and I, I mean, we, we did, we're on our 253rd episode, Nick. And I think from episode one, we were on, on, on religion's ass as an institution and its failures and it's in the hypocrisy behind the worst aspects of it. But your tweet, you retweeted a, 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 an article that said, you know, over the weekend, temperatures in Spokane plunged below zero. We talked off air. There were also rolling blackouts where people were without electricity for many hours at a time. And so <laughs> more than 200 Spokane churches were asked to open their doors to homeless people because the fucking weather was cold <laughs> and dangerous and help thy neighbor. I thought was one of the things that was in that pretty book. How many, uh, you know the answer, but just rhetorically, how many do you think people agreed to open your doors out of 200? But Tell the, them the how many, Nick. The four churches was the answer that opened their door. And so um, that's that's like the Fed's target inflation, which they're, they're not, not even close to. That's 2% of the, of the churches that were asked, right? So 
Um, I just saw the article and I've talked about the homelessness in Spokane and, and nationwide on this podcast a bit. And um, obviously I'm not a huge fan of religion as an institution that's separate from spirituality, like you said. So yep. I'm here. The things are colliding, right? So um, year over year, homelessness up 60%. We just got a new mayoral administration. The uh, incumbent was voted out uh, who didn't do anything uh, but preside over the worsening of homelessness. Uh, and the new person is in who obviously promised to help clean it up. Um, while the, the first disaster strikes two weeks into the new administration and they're scrambling to open shelters and, and get enough beds and there aren't enough. And so they asked the churches and uh, only four of 200 opened their doors. And so the point, I guess, is, is, is multifold, right? Um, one, like most of Christianity is based around a, a story like this, right? Like the uh, the son of God being born in a manger um, in Bethlehem because he was turned away from the inn, right? And so, like, there's that whole, like, hypocrite angle of it, which is just, like, mind-blowing considering, like, that's, like, what your religion is based on. Um, but then there's the whole, like, wider aspect of it, too. Like, it's easy to point and say, like, yeah, you're a hypocrite. Why don't you open your doors? And yes, that's true. You are a hypocrite and you should open your doors if that's what you believe in or don't be out there professing it or whatever. But two... It's like also a huge failure of government, right? Like it should be a much wider discussion about like, why did homelessness grow 60% year over year? Like, why aren't there enough beds? Like, what about all these promises you made? Like, where is the funding? Where did the funding go? Et cetera, et cetera. As opposed to like chastising the church, which sure, they're at fault as well. They didn't open the doors in the cold, but there's a systemic more broader problem that needs talked about as well. And the last thing there, which wasn't mentioned in the, in the article at all, and which is rarely talked about, I've come to learn around Spokane, is this Catholic charities thing. Because uh, mm. they have some kind of pool. They built lots of um, uh, nice buildings downtown, it, essentially right off the, the couple of exits that are off uh, the highway into downtown, that have now turned into quasi-disasters with people lo loitering around. Like spoke, um, Starbucks had a, a location right on the corner across the street from them that just closed down because, I mean, there was just people like standing in the drive. 24 hours a day, right? And so it, it's because Catholic Charities has these stipulations, right? These barriers to entry for drugs or whatever it is. I don't know what they're, all the barriers to entry are, but it ends up being a congregation place. So there's these brand new shelters, Catholic Charity shelters downtown with people just camping around them, right? Because they can't get into the shelters. And so, um, and yet no mention of Catholic Charities and the things. So all that to say, homelessness is still a problem and not going anywhere soon. Not a lot of good solutions out there. Government doesn't seem to be willing to step up. We like to assign blame, and I guess that's what I'm doing now. But at the same time, I didn't run for office, and I don't run a church, and I never proclaimed to want to do either of those things. So, uh, But I do pay my taxes, and so that pays my ticket to the to the complete theater. Agreed. Agreed. Let's uh let's let's wrap it up with some market uh, thoughts and talk. We didn't talk gold or silver. Gold is, is old in the $2,000 level. It's roughly 2027, the last time I checked. Today's January the 18th. Silver's above 22 the last time I looked. The dollar put in a nice rally here over the last week or so. It's now right above the 103 level. The dollar index, Bitcoin's back down to 41,000. Thoughts on those for commodities slash assets? Um. My talk at VRIC uh, this past weekend, by the time you see this, is about where we are in the commodity cycle. So uh, check back in and I will reveal. But long story short is 
um, you had confusion around that CPI, which we talked mm -hmm. about, uh, I yep. think last week in which I wrote yep. about it. Basically, what's happening is the market is realizing that the Fed's not going to be able to cut rates as soon as uh, anticipated. So you were somewhere like at an 80% chance for rate cuts in March, and, and now you're down to a 50-50 chance, right? So essentially, the market was thinking the Fed was going to cut rates and is now thinking that it's not. And so that has led to the pullback in gold, which you just mentioned, uh, the pullback in uh, Bitcoin, which you mentioned. And the rough start to the year for equities, right, um, uh, with the S&P uh, down and, and some of the larger um, companies stumbling. So that's where we are. Um, gold is is encouraging and that it held that $2,000 level. Last week, yeah, I was telling you I hadn't decided if it was a, a buying opportunity or not yet. I think it's a buying opportunity. Um, I put out a new gold recommendation last week because of that. Um, and I think that's a pretty good answer. What's going to happen next is um, they're really going to realize they is the market. They're really going to realize what's happening now because the GDP is going to come out on the 25th and that's not going to be a, a pretty number. And so um, I think bad news is is going to be bad news again, right? Um, and that's what I'm looking at in macro land. So bullish on gold though. Uh, you mentioned uh, what happens next to, to read our thoughts on what happens next and the thoughts of our talented group of editors. Please go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to get all of the above. Mr. Hodge, anything else pressing on your mind or bursting to release from your chest um no my second grader has a dance-a-thon that she has to dress <laughs> up for in a couple of weeks and the theme is 80s and 90s wrestlers so if you have any good ideas uh, by all Woo! means comment them <laughs> rich, you like it rich, or you don't I'm, like it patriot battery metals is still the best lithium story going <laughs> rick flair boas <laughs> are definitely on the short list Love it. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode number 253 of our weekly therapy session we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, send us off with some words. Any words? Oh, yeah, brother. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.